Italian fan culture is famous for its passion. The tifos, the flares, the songs. But on the other side of that coin is the ultras. Organised groups of fanatics rather than fans, infamous for their violence and far-right sympathies. None are more well-known than Lazio, the Rome team that counted Italian dictator Benito Mussolini among their supporters. And on August 7th this year, the leader of Lazio's ultras, the Irriducibili, was shot dead. He was assassinated in broad daylight in a park in Rome. Just a few weeks later, Lazio played their fierce rivals Roma, Andy Mitten decided to attend the match with the still-morning Lazio Ultras. He's written up the experience in the current issue of 442, and here he takes us behind the story. So, Andy, Celtic fans were stabbed in Rome this week ahead of their Europa League tie with Lazio on Thursday. Obviously, we don't know the specifics about the case, but the Lazio Ultras have a reputation for violence? They do, and... I don't think it's something they're embarrassed about. I interviewed them. I met them for a piece in the current issue of 442. And I was speaking to one of them about football and he just stopped me in my tracks and said, I'm not really bothered about the football. I'm, I'm interested in violence. That's what I, that's what I like. And he, gets, he got off on violence. And as we said in the article in the Maggie, one of them was quite proud that he was the only Italian who'd been arrested uh, amid scores of England fans when England played in Rome in 1997. So they do have a reputation. Roma fans do. I've been to Rome many times as an away fan, and it's scary when you're crossing those bridges to get towards Olimpico and you're an English, a fan of an English football club. Uh, it is not for the faint-hearted. And there's been major incidents when... Tottenham have played there, when Manchester United have played there. Obviously, we had Liverpool uh, played Roma. Uh, some of the Roma ultras attacked Liverpool fans outside the cop, which resulted in Sean Cox nearly losing his life. So, you are, you are dealing with people who, who like violence. And there are people who go to um, clubs in England who, who like violence. It, it's, not, um, it's not the said thing, but I know people who... They are football hooligans and they enjoy the violence. Their biggest problem is the policing has got so good in the UK that it's it's very hard for them to be football hooligans. But there are young men who like to fight. So what, what was it that made you interested in wanting to do this story? I read at the start of August that the leader of the main Lazio Ultras uh, had been assassinated in a Rome park. And I thought... That goes well beyond a dust-up near a football ground. And when I started looking into it, I saw that Lazio's first home game of the season was going to be against Roma. And I thought, this is the worst and also the best time to try and write the story of what's gone on. And I, I thought it's perfect for 442. It's, it's the type of journalism that the magazine should be doing. And I tried to... My idea was to go inside with the Lazio Ultras, but everyone I spoke to said that won't be possible. When I spoke to Italian journalists, they also they almost laughed at my suggestion because this was a group who didn't like journalists and didn't let them in. And I set that out as a challenge, but 
I also thought I'm not really a conventional journalist, and if they if they googled my name, they'd see that I've written a lot about fan culture. I travelled around the world writing about fan culture. I'd written a book on derby games, in, which included Roma Lazio. And my background doing uh, a Manchester United fanzine, United Where We Stand. This wasn't this wasn't a tabloid newspaper, so I thought I'd have half a chance. And I just kept knocking on doors and. I put a lot of time into getting it in because if you just turn up and say, hello, I'm a journalist from Manchester, you're going to get nowhere. You're just going to get eaten alive. And I remembered a guy in worked as a waiter in Barcelona who'd he'd invited me to come to a Lazio game three years ago. And he was an ultra. And I went to his restaurant because didn't have his number and the restaurant was closed for August. So I wasted hours trying to get the in. And I applied for accreditation to the game as a journalist which I didn't want to do I wanted to be on the curve and then I knew an Italian lad in Spain who was a he was an ultra of uh, Catania and he said he, he knew some of the Lazio lads and he got in touch with them and got a contact number so I had a little inkling of an in so I, I messaged uh, one of the the main lads um, he didn't really want to he didn't really want me there and I tried to strike up a dialogue and to say that I would be writing about them. I didn't necessarily need to pass opinion on them, nor agree with them, nor their politics or their violence. But that shouldn't stop journalism. You shouldn't just interview people who are nicer than fluffy and <laughs> who, yeah. you, who you agree with. And finally, I, um, I went to Ibrox to, to write a piece on Rangers and I took a photo of Legia Warsaw fans unfurling a huge flag up of uh, Pope John Paul and I had to look twice is that is that is that really just happened at Ibrox and the Scottish journalist just said I as in it is who you think it is and I thought it was I thought it was funny if I'm honest that, that, that they'd had the, the cheek to go to Ibrox and unfurl a flag of the former Polish goalkeeper who happened to become the Pope and I think I think a lot of Rangers fans even saw some humour in that, but I tweeted that out and it was seen by over 2 million people and I, I suspect that uh, some of the Lazio boys thought we could, we could get a lot of coverage here. And one thing about the Ultras is, much as they don't like the media, they also, they are showmen. They, the reason they have the flags and the TIFO and, and, and the fireworks and... It's because they want to be seen. They're not hiding away. They, they want to be visible. So four days before the game, uh, I finally got a message saying, what time do you get to Rome? And I said, 12 o'clock, midnight. And they said, come straight to our headquarters. And that seemed a little bit intimidating to me, a bit potentially intimidating. And I said, can I go the next day? No, come straight to see us. So I thought, well, if that's what they're going to do, that's what they're going to do. But I also thought it's going to serve them no good to damage me as a journalist, to, to assault me. Um, I'm no threat to them. I've not written anything about them. I'm from a, a credible magazine in 442. And I, I wanted to write about how they went about their big derby game in the aftermath of them losing their leader. I ended up going there and I heard like journalist, journalist, and they were definitely weighing me up, but they were civil with me. Uh, they they welcomed me into their world, which I appreciate. They didn't have to. 
and then I met my main contact there and he was cool with me at the start but after a while he said we're going to drink in this area do you want to come with us and I said yes because I'm a journalist and I want a good story and then they got in the car and they drove off and left me in the middle of Rome and I thought well that's not normal etiquette if you invite someone <laughs> for a drink you don't just leave them there but then 90 minutes later they said where are you and I made my way to where they were all drinking and there were there were 400 of them there and they were very well organized they, they were all dressed in sort of Stone Island, Stan Smiths. There was a, a lot of them had West Ham tattoos. A, I met some West Ham lads there as well. There were quite a lot of girls with them. And you could see that for all of their uh, politics or reputation for violence, that they've got a very strong community where they help each other out. And I wanted to get inside of that and write about it. And then I was offered a chance to go and meet the, the new leaders. And I went inside in the early 50s and they asked me about the derbies I'd been to and they seemed like football fans. And I said, look, I'm only going to agree to talk to you if we don't mention the 1999 European Super Cup final because Lazio beat Manchester United. <laughs> and and they, they sort of laughed at that because I was the one who needed to interview them, not the other way around. And they were civil with me. That's all I can ask of them. And... I kept saying, can I go on the curver? I want to watch the game from the curver. I don't want to be in the press box. And that went from a definite no, 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 to there's your ticket for the curver. And I said, well, what do I owe you? And they just said, we'll talk about it later. So I'm now in possession of a, a, t a ticket to go onto the curver. Uh, I, I, you've got to be careful. You're, when you go into a ground in Italy, your ID's got to match up with your ticket. Mine didn't. So the lads said, any problems, mention our name. So I thought they're starting to trust me. And I think they should trust me. And I got into the curva, got into the back of the curva. So even within the stand, which holds 15,000 people, there's this hierarchy of who can stand where. And there was a big foot on the back of my head and it was a, a flag being dropped down from above. And that was the, the the leader, Francisco. They wanted me to pay homage to him. This was their first game since he died. And he was a big deal to them. Uh, Diablo, Diabolic. And he, he was a, you know, he was the leader. You don't get to the, the top of a group like that without being charismatic and being popular. Because otherwise you're not going to become the leader of the ultras. And I could see the main lads right at the front of the curva. They weren't really watching the game. And at half-time, one of them said, come down to the front. So I thought, they, they must trust me now. And I went down to the front and I, I, I spoke to them. And they, they weren't really watching the game. For them, it was all about paying respects to their, their fallen leader. Uh, it was about not singing in the first half because Lazio had refused to recognise that the, the ultra-leader had died. They'd refused to recognise it publicly. And that affronted them greatly. And then they made a huge racket in the second half. But also, their enemy, the Roma Ultras, they had huge flags in respect of Diabolic who died. And that really interested me, that they weren't laughing or celebrating the death of their foe, but they were very respectful. And Lazio appreciated that. And that has happened before in Rome. Uh, they have a respect for their enemy. So... 
I'm thinking all along, this is fascinating. Uh, I've got a great story here. As a journalist, mm. um, if I picked out the, the, the two or three main pieces for 442 this year, it would have to be going to see Maradona in Mexico, in Sinaloa, where everybody said you'll never be able to do it. And then this, this Lazio Ultra story, um, I, I really took a gamble with it because I booked the, the flights to Rome. And journalism's not free. You know, we need people to buy the magazines, to support the magazines, to support these type of stories. I went there without having any definite contact. Uh, you've got to get the trust. So I told them where I was staying. So I, if they wanted, if they had a problem with me, they could have come to my hotel. So they've got to have reasons to trust you rather than just going in there and, and condemning them and saying that these guys are right-wing fascists and that they're all bad people. And, and so I just presented the, the piece as this is who they are, yeah. this is what they do, and we were in the middle of them. And you can make your own mind up about them, but as a journalist, it was fascinating to be in the middle of them. So you talk about the uh, civility and the respect within the, within the curve of there, but was there any moment that you actually really did feel in danger, or did you feel that what you kind of given to them was enough to kind of put that to one side? I, I felt that... It was heavy, but I'm not a war reporter going into a bombed-out house in, in, in Syria. I I felt that um, it served them no good to harm me. And I didn't tell my wife any of this, but <laughs> I did. The guy who'd linked me in, he could look after himself. So I did have that link. I, I know that they would have Googled me and it would have probably come up favourably for them because I write about fan culture. But when they when they said come straight to our headquarters, I, I, I did think you know this this is pretty heavy. And even going there, I'm thinking it's pretty heavy. And even when I, I arrived to meet them at the bar that they all drink in, I, it was a long 20 minutes when I waited for my contact because I'm not one of them. I'm not Italian, but I'm also not a an Oxbridge edu educated uh, journalist in a tweed jacket with a pork pie hat on either. I I'm from Manchester. I, I know fan culture. I I've done a fanzine since being 15. So I could see also that little by little they were trusting me more and more. And, and that gave me more confidence. Um, once I'd got onto the curva, I was with new people and I kept my mouth shut. You've, you've got to be careful. But I've written this type of stuff for a long, long time. And in the end, I think I sensed it right without without being a complete idiot and putting myself in danger. Now, you mentioned earlier that um, Lazio fans or some Lazio fans have these links to fascism uh, and, and ultra-right-wing views. Obviously, we saw that with a pocket of fans uh, kind of goose-stepping through Glasgow just a couple of weeks ago. Did you find any evidence of this when you were when you were there? Is it, is it an obvious thing? Do they wear it proudly or... Or as you get deeper in, do you, do you kind of see it more that way? They wear it proudly. They're proud to be right wing. They just are. Their salute, they call it a Roman salute. Other people might call it a fascist salute. And they are proud of their political persuasions. There were people at the funeral who were, who were far right and they don't hide it. And that is their view. Uh, it's not my view. It doesn't need to be my view. And... I just kept thinking this shouldn't stop me writing about them. These people exist, not not as groups of isolated um, fringe uh, it, people, but 
there are thousands of them and it helped me better understand their way of thinking again i don't have to agree with it and they if they are thriving and if they've, they've done well in italy there will be lazio fans as well as fans of other club who are bore what what they do i spoke to a, a, a milan ultra he was one of the guys i tried to get to help me and he's a guy who he read my Derby's book years ago and we, we got in contact and he's a nice lad and he just said, I can't help you with this. We're, we're, we're Milan, we're left wing. We hate them. And Inter are the ones who had a relationship with Lazio, but I didn't really know anybody at Inter who can get me in. And I saw that a couple of um, English writers had written about the Ultras, but they'd not really been in the middle of them. And, and I think that's the hardest thing to do. And... I, I was I was pleased with the outcome. The, the photography is good. It, it's what a good magazine piece should should do, and 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 I hope that it did do. And finally, I know that I speak for a lot of people when I say we would only dream of being able to go to any Lazio Roma game. How was the game itself? Rubbish. <laughs> it was it was poor. You know, I barely watched it, and I had a reason really? to watch it because um, right at the very very front. You, you can't see a lot. Olympico's got a running track around it. Yeah, it was yeah. built for the Olympics. The, the view was poor. And I tried to watch it because I love football. And the first half I watched a lot of it. It was a really good game. I think both teams hit the post um, a couple of times each. But the second half, I swear anybody could have been playing and I couldn't tell you about the game because my, my, my focus was to, was to write about the... The ultras. I was never going to be writing a match report saying that X crossed the ball to Y in the 62nd minute. But the atmosphere is fantastic at those big Italian games. It's far louder than you get at practically any Premier League game. It's just good, and and I enjoy it. I like fan culture. I like the noise, and it was a special occasion for them because the ultra leader had died. But there were some lovely touches. Um, Luis Enrique's daughter had tragically died age nine the, the week before and the Roma Ultras had a huge flag in respect of, of her Chania because Luis was their manager in 2013 so both both sets of Ultras politically would be different but they, they care for their community and I don't think a lot of them care that much about what happens on the pitch that is the, the, the blunt truth of it but I watched it and then I went back to Rome a couple of weeks later to meet Chris Smalling and we spoke far more about tactics and Italian football and virtually nothing about the ultras. So that just shows the spread of journalism. Anyway, Andy, I can hear you arriving at Old Trafford now, but thank you very much. Thank you. And as I spoke to you, I'm coming up to Old Trafford. So that's authentic, me being a journalist. All those people flagging me in were people who uh, <laughs> said get towards a game tonight so I think 442 it should have people out on the road and I'm absolutely on the road and I'm going to look to do as many interesting pieces like that as I can in the future Cheers. thanks for talking to me have a good night Andy take care Connor bye bye mate thanks to Andy for coming in you can read his incredible account of his time with the Lazio Ultras in the new issue of 442 he also travelled to the Derby inside the Arctic Circle. That's also in the magazine. You can buy the mag and get a subscription using the links in the show notes below. It's just £9.50 every three months to get it delivered straight to your door. If you enjoyed the podcast, please do give us a five-star review on iTunes and subscribe. 
The music you've heard is by Hull Griff, also available on iTunes and Spotify. Thanks for listening.